Well, happy darn Culture Cast Day, everybody. Happy darn Tuesday. And welcome Dan Casper and Abbas Mohammed from Instill AI. Welcome. Where are you guys? Where are you sitting right now? Well, I'm not actually in a bank vault unlike you, so I should have upped my game today. <laughs> I'm calling in from Denver, Colorado. Right on, Dan. And Abbas, where are you right. calling from? I, I, I'm calling uh, from Hyderabad. It's a city in the um, southern part of India. Oh, my goodness. So, again, here we have a global thought leader on this call. Amazing. So, thank you for turning into a global meeting. And... I know this is CultureCast. So CultureCast is when I have the chance to chat with friends who have something to do with cultivating environments where whether in company or community, everyone else in the community can thrive. And I am super fired up to spend some time today with both Dan and Abbas from Instill. Um, really quick story, and then we are gonna jump into your stories. First of all, I do have the question, can robots rule culture? And to me, that is an old school way of saying, can AI enable culture? And I think what's fascinating about your company, which I'm excited to talk about, is I had the chance to have dinner with your founder, one of the co-founders, almost two years ago now. And we were sitting side by side. At that time, I was working at my last company, which was Chipotle. And we'd just gone through this mega transformation. And he said to me, hey, Marisa, uh, we just started this company. We are trying to codify culture, and we're studying all sorts of companies would love to study Chipotle as well to understand what it is that you did to really codify culture and create an environment where not only did people thrive, but the company just really ended up growing and going from this almost, was it a turnaround? Was it a, a, um, was it a growth story? And it was really about a hard culture reset. And so fast forward, you know, Hame reached out and I mean, this company has now since grown and has really found a way to codify culture, which is why we're all here. Um, and so that's why I'm fascinated and excited that we can share some of your secrets. Although I was saying earlier before we went live, everybody, I am sitting in a bank, bank vault. I would say everything would stay in the bank vault, but not really because we're live and we're recording this. So um, let's get into this. And let's talk about, first, I'll, Dan, I'll go to you, then a boss to you. Let's talk about your journey before coming to Instill and kind of what led you to Instill. Yeah, first off, thanks for having us, Marisa. Super excited to be amongst all these people leaders and culture champions to chat about such an, uh, an important topic. So first, thanks for having us. Uh, as I mentioned, my name is Dan Casper. I'm the general manager and also on the founding team of Instill. And my passion, uh, I'm sure like many of you here today, is building high-performing, high-impact teams. So, uh, you know, just like companies have a vision and a mission statement, I also crafted one along my journey, so I thought I'd share that first. But it actually came from a TV commercial, believe it or not, back in the 90s, and it was won by Apple Computer as part of their Think Different campaign. And if you remember the commercial, it had a bunch of people on there that we now see as genius, but at one point when they were living, they were the crazy ones. And so, it starts off, but here's to the crazy ones, here's to the misfits. But there was a line in there that even uh, when I saw it for the first time, it just stuck with me. And it goes, those who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones that do. And so my personal vision is along that lines, but to really to push the human race forward. Uh, and my mission statement goes along with that too. And similar to what you're talking about, Maurice, and I'm sure we'll talk more about this today. Uh, but my mission statement is to cultivate change by intertwining humanity with technology. So along the themes of humanity and robots and technology, et cetera, like how can we intertwine the two to create a better human experience? Um, so a little bit about my path. Um, I actually grew up in Minnesota, land of the frozen tundras and mosquitoes that are the size of pterodactyls, survived that. Uh, but went to school there as well. It was a D1 private school called the University of St. Thomas. Um, but I did also did Navy ROTC as part of that program. So when I graduated from college, uh, I was commissioned in the United States Navy. And I was actually part of special operations community. Specifically, I was an explosive specialist with the SEAL teams for about six and a half years. Did a couple of uh, deployments to the Middle East and uh, a small adventure to South America. And that was really impactful on my cultural journey as well. Uh, but had a chance to get out of the military and then jumped into tech. So made a move to Airbnb, was on their trust and safety team. I had the opportunity to build out some teams in North America and Asia Pacific. Love the tech scene, love Airbnb, very foundational again to my cultural journey. 
Uh, but I love to build, to scale, to grow, to create. So I had a chance to join smaller stage companies. So I was CEO of an HR tech company for about five and a half years previous to joining Instill. And now Abbas and I are uh, on the founding team of Instill and really excited about, again, intertwining humanity um, and technology to really optimize and augment the human experience of work. I love it. Thanks, Dan. Yes. Abbas, what is your journey? Right. Yep. So, yeah, I, I guess my journey is mostly from more of an academic uh, perspective. Uh, firstly, most most of I think I have been growing with the computer since the age of nine or ten, uh, building a lot of games and sort of things. Right. So one of the uh, crucial things is that um, online, um, the let's say. Uh, we, we, we behave differently from, you know, what we are in person. So what we are in online, I could say for, uh, for myself that I pretty much grew up online, learning everything online, meeting people online, because I've been sort of out of my zone uh, doing a lot of things uh, at the age of 11, 12, like building a lot of uh, software. So that's why I had a very sort of uh, realization, uh, uh, even in the beginning, that there is a lot of... Um, ways uh, there is a lot of uh, discrepancies between how we behave um sort of uh, in real life and in online so that's that's always been kind of in the back of my head right and and, and then uh, i went on to you know pursue a lot of my uh, education at uc berkeley uh, there i had cross paths with many great uh, people who are uh, researchers in the field of people science that's where i developed keen interest because i think the, i saw it as a field where there is a lot of uh, potential for innovation, but very less uh, attention from an engineering perspective, right? There is a lot of obviously uh, um, investment done in that field, but not so much uh, for developing the technology behind how we do, uh, how we study people's sciences. Uh, I did that for uh, about a year. I worked with the research. I've published um, some uh, papers on people's sciences and how people kind of uh, um, display things like grit a psychological trade. And and after that, I joined a private consultancy in um, Sweden. Uh, this is where kind of, I would say, the turning point and where I kind of went a little bit more deep into the psych, um, people sciences. Uh, we, we did several projects with the, uh, the government of UK, including the British Army and as well as the uh, NATO Alliance, uh, where we mostly studied troops and their behaviors in their deployments and how they interacted with the local populations and how they uh, function in the time of crisis and things like that. So this is where we looked at, you know, a lot of data. And this is where I realized that this 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 field is probably the most important uh, field that is awaiting a lot of uh, innovation, right? There is a lot to be done here, which, which uh, people are not yet uh, so focused on. So that's where I kind of picked up my core interest in kind of uh, going more deep into this, uh, this field. And that was about four years uh, where I worked uh, with the um, uh, the contractors at uh, NATO and the British Ministry of Defense. And then I joined Instill to kind of take it into a more uh, product-based approach that is, you know, more uh, centered towards uh, consumers as opposed to, you know, governments and things like that. So, yeah, that, that's since then we've been building um, the product and using a lot of uh, um, findings from, you know, Dan's past and my experience in the academics. And yeah. I love all of that. So first of all, um, I love that. First of all, I'm thinking and hanging out with crazy ones who are crazy enough to push the human race forward and to change. And I love this mission statement that you have, Dan, which is to push the human race forward and it's to cultivate change by intertwining humanity and technology. And it's fascinating. It seems like your pathway took you on the human side in terms of leading, managing, supporting, protecting people, and then technology, um, as you've kind of gone into this other professional side of being a CEO for an HR tech company. And Abbas, I love that you are a digital native. And to you, it was as much about how you behave IRL and how one behaves online and how do you mix the two. So this people science and this data you know, I'm going to use the, the uh, initials AI. I think you were way ahead of your time, my friend. And so fast forward, I think culture is everyone's jam. 
you know, I say this all the time that um, now more than ever, especially post the pandemic and companies have changed. And in fact, I think I have a friend on here who she lives in Europe. She lives in Ireland specifically, and she is a culture guru as it relates to companies that are all 100% remote. Mm-hmm. So she was ahead of her time, Darcy. And like now culture is coming to the forefront because companies are trying to figure out what can we do to actually be high performing, have high performing teams and deliver results. And so um, it's great to have both of you on here to kind of get into the journey of how do you really even codify culture? So let's talk about that. And, you know, I've gotten a little behind the scenes tour of what it is that you all do, but where do you even start and how did this even come about? So Dan. Yeah, hundred percent. It's uh, you know our quest is 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 very much along the lines of like culture is obviously one of the X factor for like I don't have to persuade that with anyone here, but yeah. culture has historically been something that's fluffy. It's hard to understand. It's like chasing this unicorn around, right? And um, if we also look at like some of the research and findings of this year, like before we built our product, we wanted to look at the evolution of cultures. It's been a wild few years. Things of ups and downs and lefts and rights, and we wanted to make sure that we understand the concept of team optimization to productize for a way that's going forward and not what has been. So we worked with Stanford, Berkeley, Caltech, U.S. Army Research Lab to facilitate that study um, and essentially getting to pieces of, you know, where I completely spaced on your question right now, Marisa. So no, I'm just like, no, I think you're well, jumping right on into it, but it's like, how did you even get into, yeah. Yeah. you know, codifying culture as mm-hmm. a product? That's right. Yes. So, um, Thank you for that. Clearly, I need some more coffee this this uh, this late morning. But so we did research. We understand that culture is fluffy. It's hard to understand, but it's also something that is pivotal for every organization that is starting. Whether you're in the driver's seat for culture or not, you have a culture. And if we look at some of the data, I would say more organizations now are talking about culture, which is great. Like everyone here knows the importance of it. However, there's still some problems surrounding taking it beyond rhetoric. How do we activate culture change? And so if we look at that technology on the market, I actually remember in my, in my board meeting, a story comes to mind. Uh, and I was that CEO of my last company. I was presenting all this material uh, about sales and finance and operation. And the director of the board at the end of the meeting gets says, Dan, how's the team doing? And I said, good. And then we moved on because that was like an appropriate answer. And to me, that was like this light bulb. Like if I would have said that for any other department, I would have got the boot out the door and justifiably so. But how are we accepting that as an appropriate answer for arguably the most important asset of the entire company, which is your right. So for me, it's like, how do like we're missing things in the people side. We're missing the tools. We're missing all the technology that has been so important uh, in other facets of the business. And so how do we be evolved to that conversation with layering in AI? Like Abbas and I, we want to be a part of that conversation. Like there's a lot of morality around AI. Uh, there's a lot of yays and nays, like people's strong opinions, but we want to be in part of shaping it in a way that really augments the human experience of work and allows people's side of the business and people tools to catch up and even surpass the other tools that are available in some of the other facets of the business. Very cool. And I think you define for me what culture means to you. And I'm going to let you define it for the audience. Like what is culture to you when you hear that word? You know, uh, so I like approaching it from like an anthropological and mm-hmm. sociology background, because at the end of the day, like humans have been building tribes and communities for millennia. There's actually ways that we are wired to go about kind of building these communities. And so if we look at that, it's essentially a series of norms, behaviors, languages, etc. cetera. Um, and it's about the concept of belonging, creating this tribe. But if we wanted to look at it simplistically, because I enjoy simplicity as well, uh, culture equals behavior. And I yes. think simply put, it's that that easy. Uh, we look at the behavior of people to define what culture is. I love that. And yeah, I remember that from our conversation around culture equals behavior. And I agree with you from an anthropological standpoint. It is behavior. It's the shared language that we use. It's the norms that are said or unsaid. And how do you actually codify that in a way where people are all kind of aligned and vibing to that and measure, you know, and how do you measure that? So that that's happening. Um, and then a boss, just really curious, how would you define culture from your context? Right. I think culture to me is, uh, is more like a spectrum rather like it's like a tendency of how 
authentic can you be? How um, how you can be yourself and how confident you are in being yourself in a certain uh, group of people or a certain company. So to me, it's really the spectrum of the, the confidence uh, that allows you to show your authentic self in a meaningful way. I love that. I also love that you are talking about uh, belonging and inclusivity as a definition for culture. I totally agree with you. The way I look at this is that you know, wouldn't it be ideal and just nirvana when managers in a company and people in a company can inspire confidence in everybody else that they can be and bring exactly who they are. And so I think that's what you're saying around culture and that, you know, the spectrum of how do you build something like that where people can have that confidence to be their authentic selves. And so starting with that, I mean, I can't imagine, I guess I can, like, where, where did you start with defining, you know, the process for helping companies codify culture? Yeah, so I think what's really important on make, making a lasting impact on culture is intentionality. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, uh, we, we mentioned before, but like, we're going to have a culture at an organization or team, whether we pay attention into it or not. And so the key is how can we be in the driver's seat to truly create and codify and create a process surrounding a culture that helps to fuel your business objectives. You know, there's a, there's an ancient Greek philosophy about know thyself. I think Socrates first started it, but you know, his argument is all lasting change first comes from within. So that is part of the product that we're building too, is helping organizations truly understand what is the culture that they have. Therefore, we know our starting point. Then we can start to then look towards the end result. And this is something that has traditionally been lacking within cultures is that, you know, again, looking to finance and operations and sales and all the other departments, like we have very specific, tangible goals. We have them broken down by milestones. We have deliverables. And arguably for culture, are we doing that or not? And I would say more frequently than we're not, we're not. Um, And so then after we look at who we are, then the process uh, within the product and, you know, in general, again, we're mirroring a lot of things that humans have been doing for millennia, but productizing is helping to define that end state. Like what is the the culture that we want to achieve, but also what's the culture that's right for us? Therefore, we kind of have this X, Y, Z axis, your your culture in 3D. Hey, what's the culture that we have now? What's the culture that we want? What's the culture that's right for us? And then we can leverage tools and identify behaviors and values and norms and language and making sure that we're holding ourselves accountable to that on that journey. But then essentially we're up to par with how we've been building other successful departments. We have where we are now, where we're going, tools to measure and making sure we calibrate along the way. I love that. And actually when we jumped into this peak behind the scenes, uh, what I said to you was you've found a way to automate all of the heavy lifting that the team that I have supported and along with leaders went through to really drive transformation. And it it did start with who are we, right? It's where do we come from? Who are we? And where do we we wanna go? And I think a piece of that, if I'm just touching on what Abbas said, it's not only about knowing thyself, but it's also about, all right, defining who we are and what we stand for. And when I say we, not only the heritage and where the company has come from, it's also, the people inside the company, you know? And so I'm just playing back what I'm hearing and love to hear how, how does that play out for someone who wants to engage with you to help go through a culture transformation. And then in terms of measures, I totally completely agree with you. You know, every function has measurable goals that are specific to achieving uh, outcomes related to the business results, you know, and to delivering on the strategy. And I would say the biggest opportunity, and again, I will use Chipotle as the example, because that's kind of where we really did the transformation most recently with culture. What we learned was with 100,000 people, all company operated, you know, what behaviors are happening inside all of these 3,000 plus locations that is keeping them from being as productive as they can be. And so it was trying to understand things like churn and turnover, right? So measuring that. Um, It's also measuring the ability to develop people and promote from within. And then I think from a culture standpoint, if, you know, this is about creating a goal where um, it's about a pathway of opportunity and creating leaders from the masses, like, are we measuring that and what are we doing specifically? And it's all tied to culture. 
So I, I think about that. How do you help companies when they get started with you? Like, all right, well, we need to transform our company and create a high performing culture. So where does that start? Yeah, I can, I can introduce a few yeah. things and then maybe a boss, you could speak to more like yeah. the technical pieces uh, and how we connect the dots. Um, that's above my pay grade. Uh, but in terms of kind of some of your thoughts, Marisa, uh, first of which, you know, we agree, like uh, what makes successful cultures is also not only intentionality, but authenticity. And a lot of times, again, we, we see organizations work with organizations that kind of have copy and paste of values. Uh, I'll throw out integrity. 65% mm -hmm. of companies within the U.S. have the value of integrity. I think it's great. I also think it's table stakes. But what can we do to create an authentic organization that really speaks to who we are? And how do we find and optimize and build teams and behaviors to support that? So a lot of that is just understanding that each culture is unique and our system supports that. Like no matter what we're doing, there's not one of 12 cultures that you're going to have. No, we want to understand the uniqueness and authenticity of your specific organization. And then, hey, we're going to build our tools. Our tools will actually learn more about your organization as you interact with it. And that's some of the beauty of the technology that's available on the market as we're able to productize on us to make it easier to make it more live in a way that's highly personalized highly unique to you uh and part of that process too and so in terms of like how we like to measure um so we actually created a series of culture vital signs we call them they're essentially culture kpis and we actually have seven neuroscientists on our team um or excuse me PhDs, but they have backgrounds in neuroscience and organizational psychology, uh, predictive analytics, et cetera. And we, you know, we first pose them the questions, hey, what are the things that we can measure that really apply to any and all high-performing teams, but give us specific nuanced information on how the culture and team is actually behaving? So we measure, and you've actually tossed out several of these worlds already, Marisa, mm -hmm. uh, but like psychological safety, inclusion, yeah. innovation, resilience, productivity. Uh, and there's just several more as well. But these are the nuances of how we as humans build cultures and we measure them. But as Abbas said, too, uh, there's a couple different ways we measure them, one of which is through a series of proprietary assessments that create a little bit more information beyond poll surveys. But mm -hmm. we've also built a tool called Instill Sense and it actually joins meetings and it looks at the use of language and how people are communicating and gives you scores on your culture. It gives you tips and tricks and coaching for leaders and managers. Hey, Dan, when you said this, your team's stress scores went up. Hey, when you said this, psychological safety dropped. Um, so then we're really getting an interesting behavior, not only what people are talking about, but how their behavior is. Again, culture equals behavior. Mm -hmm. And then we'll get more into the technology too, but you know, we're in this AI revolution and it's crazy how fast it's changing, but how can we use that again to augment the human experience of work? And so we've build, uh, built our own large language model uh, that Abbas can tell you more, but you know, like OpenAI has trained theirs on 80 billion data points across the internet. It's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. but the internet is also a crazy place. Yeah, We've decided to build our own and only train, out, train it with like vetted scholarly information on culture and team formation, our own research, et cetera. So the way we leverage that is it actually gives highly personalized, very timely action steps that go to individuals, leaders, and executives on how to change the behavior based upon exactly what's happening in their unique culture. Therefore, you don't have to guess, you don't have to speculate, your new managers don't exactly have to go through Google and what do I do to lead a team? Like it's very personalized into how to build your ideal culture. That's wild. So before we jump into a boss, cause I'm curious how you even did this. There is a robot, <laughs> use that word again, who actually attends your meetings. And I think I've been to meetings with you um, virtually where there's someone there who's listening, right? And helping you take notes in the meeting. But what you're telling me is post the meeting based on the values that have been bespoke and specific to the company based on all the research you've done, et cetera. And I agree with you. Um, if they're just words up on a wall, anyone can have those values. They've got to be very specific to the culture you're trying to create in your company. But like, based on all of that, this robot is going to give you specific feedback leader slash participant in the meeting, here's when you use these words or when you said this, and you look at the culture KPIs, um, it will tell you where you're trending up or trending down and give you specific ideas on what you can do differently. Is that what you're saying? 
Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, and that's some of the beauty of this technology is it is so useful and it's so timely and personable. And actually, some of the nuances are even the, the instill sense is what we call it. But the robot, in fact, boss, we should probably name this thing. Uh, so we'll, I know, right? Name it as maybe drop it in comments. What we should name this thing and we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe that's a dangerous play, but who knows? Uh, but yes, uh, and that's some of the beauty of it is it really helps to be a coach for you if used correctly. And not even that, but um, it actually speaks to me differently than it speaks to a boss because a boss and I have different psychometric profiles. And so it, it uses language that really resonates with the audience. So it's wild, uh, not only what you can do in terms of coaching and feedback, but even values alignment. So what values of your company actually showed up in your meetings? You yeah. Slice and dice this information. And it's, it's just really, it, it's an interesting way to get, you know, what people take on assessments, which is great. We still use them too, but we had, there's like a survey fatigue is out there. Like how many assessments do we get? And we're going into election year. We're going to get a thousand a day. So are there ways that, to capture potentially more accurate data without having to bog the team down with yet another assessment? Right. And a boss, how did you even think about coming up with this? I'll, I'll say fun shadow hanging out during the meeting, this robot to help coach people. And I guess you already answered my question. I was going to say, and when people get the feedback, do they listen? And you just answer the question based on your psychometrics. They're going to give you feedback in the way you're going to, that meets you where you're at, essentially. Right. Um, so so, so the, uh, the core principle of uh, the way we develop uh, this, this bot is basically we, we, we define, we, we see the, you know, the culture KPI, as Dan mentioned, the culture vital science as something multidimensional, right? I can give you an example um, for that. And this is, this is how the bot also um, the works as well, right? For example, take uh, innovation, which is uh, one of the um, KPIs uh, that we measure for companies, right? If, if we say innovation of certain individual is high, whether it's based on an assessment or, or this uh, robot, right? it does not mean that innovation is being contributed uh, within a team, right? If your psychological safety is very low, the innovation of an individual does not get uh, uh, expressed uh, within a team because they're too afraid to express their ideas, per perhaps, right? So that's why we take a multi-dimensional approach is that we, we don't treat the, uh, you know, these cultural KPIs as um, problems, but rather symptoms, right? And this is where we have the need to have solutions like this robot to give us enough information so we could look at multiple dimensions, right? If a person has a both uh, high innovation and low psychological safety, then the, their feedback would be different for someone who has both high innovation and high psychological safety, right? So this is where we are able to personalize and we are able to do this at scale with AI because it, it, it's, it's limitless in terms of how many people it can interact with, right? And th that's the core essence of developing the solutions that are able uh, that allows us to scale these principles uh, that we develop is uh, to approach problems uh, from multiple dimensions and do it uh, at a scale that perhaps uh, you know it would be very hard for humans to match right wow so uh, th that's the the core essence of the uh, pretty much regardless of this robot pretty much every solution we build uh, that is related to ai is that we try to make it scalable and also uh, make sure everything is uh, grounded to the principles that we develop it, so it's not, it doesn't hallucinate, which is uh, you know a word used when uh, the bot kind of goes out of hand. Um, but yeah, th th that's the core essence of how we um, build these uh, solutions. That's very cool. And actually, while you were chatting, and by the way, LinkedIn user slash Jeffrey Simonoff, yes, I saw your very long um, comment, which is awesome. And actually, Jeffrey works for RFK Center for Human Rights, and mm -hmm. it is, and specifically leads an initiative on workplace dignity. And we talk about behavior and we talk about how personal work is because people spend more of their waking hours working mm -hmm. than they are likely doing anything else to make a living. And I guess he was reading in the product overview for Instill that leaders who undermine employee autonomy are corrosive because they undermine the dignity of work. And so there's this whole individual notion of this and there's psychometrics, like how do people get started? Because I think about, for example, in codifying values at our last company, yes, we started with, you know, the eight C-level leaders in a room and looked at artifacts and looked at language, et cetera. But then our 
small but mighty team went out and spoke with 300 hourly employees to get their feedback as a sampling and a representation of, all right, what do these values really mean? What does it look like? What does success look like when we behave this way? Blah, 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 right? So uh, do people, does everybody in a company, when they go through this process with Instill, do they participate in something? Like, how does that work? Yeah, great question. Yeah. Um, and just kind of responding to yeah. uh, Jeffrey too, uh, I think that or linked yeah. to the user. Uh, but I agree. I think the dignity piece and how that stems from autonomy is, is super critical. In fact, if, through our research, and I would also argue it's probably from experience in most of us too, but employees and team members want three things. They want mastery, autonomy, and purpose. And if we can give them mastery, autonomy, and purpose in their work, they're going to be uh, the most loyal employees that we can find. In fact, that will be such a culture foundation that we'll, we'll absolutely achieve anything and everything we want to achieve. Um, so agree. I think autonomy and how that plays into dignity is so critical. So thanks for bringing that up first off. Uh, but also like, how do we get started? Like what's the, you know, step zero to step one? Yeah. I mean, a lot of what we, our flows are, are essentially digitized versions of things that have been working, uh, things that in culture engagements that Deloitte's and KPMG's and the Accenture of the world's has been doing. But, you know, a lot of what we do, we actually have tools to help you create in a very authentic way. Who are we? Uh, yeah. And you can involve the leadership team, you can involve the broader team, but we actually ask a series of open-ended questions. What do you want your company, see, company legacy to be? Why do people give up better paying jobs to work for you? And we actually run sentiment analysis and natural language processing through all those aggregate results. You can apply different tones that you want or different outcomes, and it actually will return uh, very authentic vision, mission, values, normative behaviors, language to use, et cetera. And it's not the end all be all, it does, uh, but it's a great starting point to facilitate some very meaningful targeted conversation on, hey, let's get in the driver's seat about our culture. Let's have everyone talk about what's meaningful to them. Let's say, here's how it shows up. It allows everyone to feel seen, feel heard, or maybe you wanna have that at different levels of the organization. You tweak a few words, we, few words you hit publish, and then that uh, essentially is codified and within and digitized within the Instill operating system. And then when people join your team, they're actually brought on through like automated culture onboarding too. Um, that way we can yeah. learn the values, we can learn, interact. What does it actually look like to meet, to exceed, to miss expectations? We digitally sign off on that because we know public attestation is very pivotal to, again, being a keeper of the culture. So it's very similar to what has been successful, most successful in research-backed, validated procedures for building culture. Again, we just take a digital lens. Yeah, I love it. And I love that you found a way to actually help people co-create what's happening in the culture by everyone participating in one way or the other, these open-ended questions. And even if you're, an, I'm wondering if you're a new employee to a company that has Instill as their partner to help codify culture, are they also filling out the same questionnaire? Are they also giving feedback on the culture that they're hoping to be a part of? Or are they aligning to the behaviors that have already been identified that are, these are the successful behaviors for this culture. Yeah, they're actually co-authoring this. Like if you're okay. on, you have an active seat at the company, like we want to hear from you. Our argument is everyone at the organization is a keeper of the culture and culture happens at all levels with the organizations, different ways. Uh, and we address that within the company. But we also believe that getting people on your roster is also very important to culture formation. In fact, we have some flows that address optimal team formation, which is a marketing term for how do we build smarter teams? And so yeah. even in the hiring process, before that person actively sits uh, on your team, like, how do we look at compatibility? How do we look at values alignment? How do we look at how they're wired or psychometrics to making sure that we're evolving what has historically been the culture interview into something that's much more data focused, very meaningful. And therefore, we're adding people that are not just culture fits, but true culture ads that will take our culture to where we want to go. So that would be my argument, too, is they actually should if they're on the roster, if it's day one, absolutely. But we need to also be intentional about who's coming in on our teams. I love that. And I love that you were specific about not just culture fits, but culture ads and how you evolve the company and the culture based on the goals that have been set. And, and that, that speaks to the notion of inclusiveness, mm -hmm. um, which I think is interesting. But I want to back up a little bit. You talked a little bit, too, about like, what are the three things, you know, in the context of um, addressing Jeff's comment around dignity. And you said the three things that employees want from a job is mastery, autonomy, and purpose. 
And so I'm curious of us, like how, how does that get measured? Um, right. Um, so uh, the, the measurement mostly comes out of, uh, like Dan mentioned, the behavior. Okay. Right. Um, so when it comes to measuring subtle uh, nuances like autonomy, uh, for instance, is we, we, we basically leverage um, the assessments. Right. And, and to speak to that, we, we, we try to promote a sort of uh, authenticity within when people kind of use our product is that they can be their true self because no human is looking at their data because we, all of this is being analyzed uh, yeah. with um, you know, completely anonymized. Um, so there is no possibility of you know someone uh, looking at and getting an idea of um, what's happening behind the scenes, right? And that's one thing. And second, when we get you know when we are able to collect this data both through what user says and what how a user behaves uh, through you know uh, different products, it's like the user can um, uh, when I say user when an employee says uh, something and they behave something else, and we we get a good idea from that is that. Oh, this is this is uh, there's definitely not uh, misalignment in this case, right? Uh, they want to be uh, something, but they're unable to be that, and that's where we kind of uh, try, derive the insights uh, when it comes to measuring the nuances. And then we pair this with things like you know um, uh, the KPIs, like the psychological safety, and that's mm -hmm. how we are able to answer a lot of questions with related to autonomy and uh, you know we, we look at we also look at the the organization structure uh, within a company so how are managers and how are the teams behaving is there any correlation between the management of a team and the team psychological profile so that's it's really about bringing multiple dimensions together to kind of uh, be able to answer a question in regards to the nuances yeah i love that too and i know dan mentioned this as well that there's a piece around um org design you know, as everyone's profiles come together and how do you optimize kind of team performance even before you add someone on and that's a whole notion of culture ad. So, okay, so I, I, we start working with you. Everyone begins filling out, you know, this open-ended questions. Everyone does an assessment, I'll just call it that, or a questionnaire. And then now it's a hiring tool because now you're able to hire people. We've talked about that in a way of how do you assess potential candidates who can add to the culture and contribute to the formation of this team. We've also talked about um, how you've created a robot who's your partner in a meeting who can listen to and coach you post the meeting on how you can be more effective at, um, let's just use the term, creating dignity and psychological safety, you know, and these three things, master autonomy and purpose for people. So it does that. What else would people utilize this for? How else are they, you know, looking at their culture KPIs? Yeah. So uh, you should become a salesperson for us, Marisa. Yeah. So you want to get a job after this? Let's let us know. <laughs> <laughs> You're exactly right. So we like. Well, I don't know if it's just the military and Abbas's eye background. We like acronyms, so we do the MBA. So measure, build, advance. Those are the three core pillars to instill. Measure, build, advance. So, of course, measuring uh, your culture KPIs, your culture vital signs, we can slice and dice that by team, by demographic information to make sure all of our communities are being equally represented. A lot of times we look at culture and say, oh, it's shiny from the outside, but we're missing and it has a rotten core. So helping to measure, yeah. of course, changing the action steps, changing behaviors is very important. Uh, so that's all in the measurement types. Again, the bots, or the assessments, the build really comes to what we just said for how do we build, be smarter about building teams all the way from your hiring process to let's say you wanted to build a, a, a team for that maximizes innovation. Historically, I know I've done this, like I've literally like thrown darts at a wall. Okay, you're a team, go forth and conquer, but we can be more intentional about that. How do we yeah. leverage diversity of thought? How many, you know, extroverts versus introverts do we want on a team? So leveraging the psychometrics is really an interesting way to leverage higher performing teams. And of course, the advanced ties to all the things that a boss is building and anything in between from how we're leveraging AI to personalized recommendations to in-app coaching. Uh, so that's essentially what we're trying to do. A lot of what we're doing is really getting in the weeds with culture, where we want to be the, the really partner or essentially a digital chief people officer that you can leverage um, yeah. 
and really get the outcomes you're looking for without having to pay like the tier one consulting price. You know, the, the BCGs, they're great. They charge seven figures and then they leave. Um, so we like being there in uh, that uh, as a partner that you can reference digitally. I love that. Yeah, you, you made me think about this. And I think I shared this with you when I was reviewing the product with you. Look, especially if one is a startup company, right? And who wants to pay seven figures mm-hmm. with these large firms when you can actually have a partner who can get in there and really get into the minds of your people through this tool that you've created. Um, it's an extension. If not, it's how you can build a people function. So differently today, because I think the big question that a lot of CHROs from large companies now and their teams are trying to figure out are what are the implications for AI, right? And I'm going to go back to you know, your mission statement your personal mission statement, which is to cultivate change by intertwining human humanity and technology. And, you know, I think about AI, it is about how do we make sure we have humanity at the forefront, right? And that this is, and I love that your data set is actually specific to all of the studies that you've done with, you know, Stanford. Um, I mean, all the ones that you've, you've mm-hmm. mentioned and that there's likely a diverse set of data that you're looking at. But I guess what I'm reacting to is, wow, if you are at a startup company or even a company that really is managing your budget, and I know everybody is, but from a people standpoint, this is the hardest thing to sit at the table with your operator, your COO and your CFO. And they're like, well, I don't know how to talk about culture. It's not a thing, so we're not gonna invest in it. And this is a way that you can go forward and say, to invest in this tool is to drive these behaviors, which then tie to business results. And it's, um, I think it's a way that you can augment, if not rethink, reimagine, mm-hmm. you know, the formation of your own people team, right? I don't, I wonder if you're, you're seeing that in the companies that you're working with. Yeah, you know, uh, like you mentioned too, like our goal is to really democratize the access to world-class cultures. Like that's what yeah. we want to do. Like it's, it's a lot of times the tools and the in-person consulting has just been out of touch. But how do right. we provide more access to that at, at different levels of your organization, whether you're a growth stage company and culture's always been at the forefront to you, but you want to make sure it remains consistent as you grow. Or, hey, you know, culture is something we haven't addressed and it's starting to show its its face that we need to do something about it. So anything in every between, like, again, our, our concept is every, it's, this should be mission critical software, or at least, you know, if you don't work in still fine, but at least have some kind of intentionality to what you're doing uh, at every level of organization. And the goal is also to really have that board level conversation on how your culture's performing. You know, I talked about the story before, instead of saying good, Let's say, well, our trust scores are 58. They're up 8% over yeah. the last few weeks. We've done XYZ. It's actually 10% above industry average we're seeing in this verticals. Here are the eight things that we've done in the different departments over the last four weeks. And here are the results that we're seeing. Like, boom, that's a mic drop statement. Like that's how it should be. Um, and, and that's very similar to what we want to be able to facilitate. But then measuring data for the sake of measuring data is also worthless. Like why are we wasting right. time if we're not doing anything about it? Culture equals behavior. So how can we leverage uh, technology then to really take a lot of time? Manual time is to create action plans to go to different people to measure success, who's working on them. So you're exactly right is, you know, how do we create act and really create behaviors and have those board level conversations? Yeah, I love that you brought that back to the board level, because I think about um, for any I sit on the public company board as well. And I think one thing that's really important and the lens that I would love to see is, yeah, how how are your people doing? What gets them going every day and how why are we seeing the success of the company? And to be able to answer that question, not only behaviors, but tracking it to actual business results. And kind of want to bring this back around to you, Abbas, on um, how does this track to business results? So there's these culture KPIs. And I know that you're in process and I don't know where you are, you know, as this, as this product continues to evolve. Um, how are you correlating this to the outcomes, the performance of companies? Right. Um, so we, we do two things uh, primarily. The first one is we provide instant uh, feedback in, term, uh, in a sense of action steps that they can take immediately, let's say, 
they take um, a quarterly assessment or they use the, the bot to analyze their meetings and we detect that the psychological safety or one of these KPIs has gone uh, down significantly and then we give them instant feedback is that this is what needs to be done. And these actions are almost uh, always um, uh, derived from the research, uh, right? So this mm -hmm. is uh, everything from proven, from this, from you know case studies and all of these things, right? And the second one is we when we measure uh, 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 the culture uh, with you know like uh, through all of this data from uh, the meetings and the the conversations and everything, uh, we are able to track goals uh, of you know sorry okay. goals. Let's say a, a board. Uh, um, has a goal is that we, we need to, you know, um, wh whatever the goal may be, right? Uh, th this can be tracked, and we 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 analyze through all, through through this data set is that how can this goal, how how does the culture affect uh, this particular goal, right? And and that's at the board level, and even at the individual level, we we like to have goals for pretty much every level, right? The individuals, managers, or uh, or the board, and everyone, even at the individual level. Let's say someone uh, wants to take on more leadership. Uh, positions, right? Mm -hmm. You can just uh, make sure that this is one of your goals on the platform is that I want to, uh, you know, uh, train uh, my leadership skills so I can be a better leader in the team, right? And this will, again, will be taken into the context every time when uh, we, you know, let's say you're using the meetings board, um, mm -hmm. this will analyze like what can you improve uh, to be a better leader, right? So you can personalize uh, this uh, experience for yourself based on your goals, regardless of what position in the company you are. You can say, as a manager, I want my team to be more innovative, right? And this will be spread across throughout the, the platform. Uh, perhaps it gives uh, a different solutions for the team members uh, when they go into the meeting next time, right? So, so the first part of his, uh, obviously, giving them quick, um, not quick, uh, solutions that have uh, proven to be uh, working through research, through reviewed research. And the second is uh, it being able to track uh, the changes through the data we receive from meetings or, you know, the assessments. So we can say, oh, this was one of the goals. And this is how the meetings after Got this it. goal has been set uh, proceeded. And this is how we are able to say, oh, there has been improvement. How, how has this tool been used in performance discussions? You know, I don't even want to say performance reviews. I think that's such an outdated thing. But like, how how are your companies, your clients, utilizing this as a tool or partner to assess ongoing performance of teams and individuals? So one way we're actually looking at uh, is is through values alignment. So we can okay. actually look at, hey, you know, how well does this person actually live the values of my company? We get that. Uh, and we can measure that as well. We can we actually tie like kudos to values, so we can look at that as well. Even if we want to look at cultural impact, uh, right now we're we're like toying with some ideas of gamification as well, or even yes. uh, so I can say, hey Dan, here is how you when you join meetings, innovation goes up twenty percent, or hey Dan, when you join meetings, psychological safety drops fifty percent. By the way, here are some things you should do to change that. So we can help organizations and even individuals, like maybe that doesn't make most sense to blast out to the entire organization, sure. but mastery, autonomy, and purpose, mastery, I want to get better at my craft. So if I can have a tool that helps me understand how I can increase innovation more, increase psychologically, these key pieces, like now we're talking about how that can impact uh, performance reviews, not just for the company, but also for the individual, like I'm yeah. improving how I show up to work. Yeah, I think when a boss was talking about that based on the, you know, the research and the learning, the continuous learning that's happening inside the company, definitely I see a role in performance conversations and mm -hmm. development of people. It's actually super interesting that at the tip of your fingers, you literally can create development actions that will help you achieve your goals, but also ultimately create all these other things like, again, psychological safety at work and, you know, help people accomplish why they joined the company in the first place. Um, question though, on the related to business results, and I don't know where you all are yet at correlating. All right. Now you've got, you know, the set of clients who have been working with you to codify their culture and you've collected all this data that's specific to their ability to live their values and live the behaviors that translate to the values and purpose and mission of the company. Um, 
what have you seen in terms of it driving, you know, a high performance culture where these companies are now killing it or at least profitable, right? Like for themselves, have you done any work on that or have tracked against that? Yeah, it's, uh, we're actually building case studies right now. So okay. that's one of the challenges of being in early stage companies. We're talking theory, like once right now we're in the process of building some case studies, one of which is with our early clients, which is actually the U.S. Army Research Lab has been using our tool for some time, specifically surrounding inclusion topics. Um, but, you know, if we look at business outcomes, OK, we understand these are culture KPIs. Great. But how is that making more money? How is that yes. making me more profitable? How is it impacting my EBITDA net income and cash flow statements? Like I get it. Right. And we could look at. All the research, you know, MIT Sloan put out a great article that talks about, hey, high engagement organizations actually have higher EBITDA by about 5x over a five-year period. So great. But things that are relatively easy to quantify to make that jump, one of which is churn data. Uh, that's also highly costly. And so if yeah. we're able to build smarter teams that decrease churns or decrease mishires, that's a huge impact on uh, some cost savings. Or if we look at productivity, which the platform can also help to measure like this, again, we can do more with less time. We don't have to hire as much. That's relatively easy to quantify and had, you know, that's either cost savings or revenue drivers uh, and even retention. Like we want to create an environment where A, people want to work. In fact, studies also share like A players want to work with A players. And so if we let the bar slip slowly over time, those A players will leave and now the, the productivity and other elements that we're bringing to the table. So how do we understand who is core to our culture keepers? How do we retrain, retain them? Yeah. Well, so those are the initial jumps that we're making, our two productivity, churn, and retention. Uh, of course, we can connect to in other engagement pieces as well, uh, potentially even integrating to other business solutions or tools like, hey, let's uh, integrate, let's say, Microsoft Office to yeah. the, as the trends for culture KPIs go up, how does that reflect in your top line growth? Etc. So I love that plans to go there, but initially we're going with productivity, retention, and churn. That's awesome. Yeah, I um, was reading this, and I'm, I need to get into the the body of it. But there's a new study that Society for Human Resources Management did, and it's this whole empathy index. Mm -hmm. And you're making me think about like again, and in, in the outcome of the study is the higher the empathy index scores, and there are some similar measures as you've probably already measured within and still and culture, the higher those are, you know, there's a high correlation to all the key business, right? EBITDA, top line, uh, overall return on sales, I mean, et cetera. So I think it's fascinating. And what you made me think about is you think about what, like what's next and actually bringing this to help companies understand how we started in the first place and how you started your story, which is, at a board meeting, you're talking about the strategy and the um, performance of a business. When people say, how are the people doing? And you say, good. Like there's this dimension to that. And I think what you've been able to do as I've been listening to you is like, if we, if we break down the definition of diversity, inclusion, belonging, equity, you know, all that terminology, which again has been through the ringer Mm -hmm. Since 2020, there's just all these diversity departments have popped up. And then like in 2023, now, you know, with, with opportunities to streamline, that's going away. What you're doing is in action, really cultivating environments or giving people the tools that will enable an environment where the diversity of thought, backgrounds, experiences is welcome, right? And that it helps leaders continue to create an environment where People feel like they can belong, that they feel like they can work with dignity, you know, all of those things. So mm -hmm. I think, again, and not that I'm trying to be a salesperson for you, if we can break down these, you know, DEIB, whatever acronym and equity, you know, help people understand when you are doing these things and creating a culture where it is about ultimately thriving, that you are accomplishing these goals which is creating a diverse organization. And I guess that's a question too, like are you able to measure diversity? And I'd say the obvious, right? So gender, race, et cetera, at every level. And have you seen a correlation there, any movement there? So yeah, we actually do, we measure inclusion specifically. Okay. That's one of our culture KPIs. And we actually, when we tested this with the Army Research Lab, they spend millions of dollars on different uh, DEI trainings. Uh, and so essentially they run our tools beforehand and afterwards and they say, which 
should we actually allocate more to our funds to? Uh, therefore, you know, we're not spending money and thousands and thousands of dollars for training that actually isn't impacting people's sentiment of inclusion, uh, and which I think is a really interesting and key piece. Like if we look at the science of team formation and cultures, diversity isn't optional if you want high performing teams. Like, right. What your background is, your, your preferences, like if you want a high performing team, diversity needs to be an equation. It needs to be a variable in the equation. Um, and it's absolutely essential from, from our get-go. Um, it's something that needs to be injected multiple levels. Also understanding that at different levels of the organization, different communities, again, culture, we don't want this 30,000 foot view. Yeah. Get down into it, get down into the teams. How are different communities feeling like they are, can be their authentic self, so they can be included because that is really going to be more insightful than, okay, our overall inclusion score is X. Totally. We need to get down and have the conversation because it's a non-negotiable item in all high performing teams. Yeah. Diversity is not an option, friends. Neither is dignity. I mean, I think that needs to happen. Um, I know we've got it. We're coming up to the top of the hour. I do want to just get to a, a couple of fun questions. And I always love to do this when we talk about culture. Let's talk about pop culture. Okay. So Dan and Abbas, I'm going to let you choose. Like, what are you vibing with these days? Like, what's your favorite thing to wear, thing to eat, program to listen to or watch? What are you reading? Any one of those. Like, what's your fave these days? What are you loving? Boss, you want to go first? Sure. Um, yeah. Mine would be a little bit different, I guess, from a lot of answers you get. Is I, I am more interested in um, reading about history, right? The civilizations and things like yes. that. And I would say this is pretty much all of my free time is I spend most of it reading history. Is going from a time period to time period and seeing the differences and all of that. So most of it is uh, that. When I'm not doing that, I'm probably listening to podcasts. I guess one of my go-to is the, the MID tech reviews. It's called the uh, In Machines We Trust. So again, it's, it's also kind of related to um, the, the nice. AI. So yeah, I, I guess uh, that's, that's um, pretty much my uh, free time, I would say. Yeah, I would love to just dove into another conversation with you, maybe offline, to just get your take on your history review and how humans have changed or have not changed. Right. So I'd be curious to see what your what your takeaway is that. And then Dan, what about you? Yeah, so uh, in my uh, spare time and weekends, I'm in Denver, so it makes it easy to get up to the mountains. That's how I recharge is kind of getting off the grid and adventure scene is kind of what fuels me. Uh, it's almost like a moving meditation for anything that is more adrenaline or adventure. But uh, in terms of, let's see, content that I, I think is interesting, I've been really getting into the philosophy of stoicism. Um, I okay. think uh, exceptionally relevant for leaders and executives. It helps me be in the present and helps me think through before reacting and helps me be more intentional. Um, so really it's, it's been a philosophy that's really been resonating with me. So a couple of podcasts in there. Um, I also just wrapped up an interesting book also on culture. Uh, it's called legacy by James Kerr, but it follows the New Zealand all blacks. It's a rugby team, one of the most winning teams in all of history, but it goes into their culture. Like what is the culture that has allowed them to be as successful as they have? And I thought it was uh, super interesting. Um, so yeah, those are the kind of the two pieces of content that I've been into recently. I love it. Well, um, I will tell you all the peeps who are listening right now and part of this conversation, we all join you in your, in your personal mission to push the human race forward and cultivate change by intertwining humanity and technology. I love this. I mean, it, it relates to, I think my personal calling, I've done a lot of work on that. If I think about my personal calling, it's not a shocker that I look back in my career and go, huh, my calling personally is all about how do I profoundly and joyfully connect people to one another? And then how does that create opportunity or pathway to opportunity for each other? So um, I'm so vibing with you and appreciate you. And thank you so much for this quick hour. I can't believe we're at the top of the hour. I want to thank everyone who joined us. Um, we have a couple weeks till our next culture cast. So for those of you who want to join us next, it is coming up on Thursday, August 20. Let's see. Thursday, August 22nd, we're going to be with Dr. Joey to talk about um, his positivity and positive workplace podcast that he has. And I will thank Dan and Abbas for joining us. 
how can we reach you before we, we, before we sign off? How can people find you? Uh, LinkedIn would be great. I would love to connect with you. I'm sure I have just as much, if not more, to learn from each and every one of you. So we'd love to connect. Great. Abbas, same thing? Yeah, uh, same thing. LinkedIn would be perfect. All right. All right, everybody. Well, good to see you. Thank you for joining. And ciao, everyone. Until next time. Take care. Bye.